This is episode 14 of the Graph Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. Today we are continuing our Behind the Ball Employee Spotlight series, talking with Graph co-founder and CTO, Mike Eberly. I really enjoyed this conversation with Mike. We talk about his entry into the game of golf, how the concept of Graph developed, the process of starting a company, fundraising, how to build an app for a smart golf ball, and a lot more. Mike is a Johns Hopkins graduate with a degree in computer science. He uh, played baseball and football while in school. And now he's taking on a leading role at Graph. I I just found his perspective on golf and analytics within the game really unique and informative. I think you'll enjoy hearing him talk just about his role at Graph and what he's been doing. Also, if you want to go back to the first episode of this series, that was with Rowan Fraser, the VP of Marketing and Design at Graph. We tackled more high-level, broader topics in that one, going into the golf smart concept and the future of analytics in golf. So go ahead and check that one out. And before we start, just a reminder that if you have any questions for the Graph Podcast, you can DM us on Instagram or send an email to the club at graph.golf. But without further ado, here's our conversation with Mike Eberly, the CTO of Graph Golf and one of the company's co-founders. So when you were growing up, how did golf factor into other sports you played? Or was golf kind of a major sport in your life early on, or did it not come on until later? Where did golf kind of fit in? So I, I played golf, uh, you know, I'd say like a lot of folks out there started playing with buddies in high school uh, and was really, you know, kind of classic, terrible golfer. Although I told myself at the time that I was shooting like a 95, you know, it was really more like a 120 with, you know, eight or nine mulligans <laughs> and a whole bunch of gimme putts. Uh, and then I, you know, in, in college, played baseball in college and was a place kicker on the football team uh, with Aaron. Uh, and so I, I didn't golf a whole lot, but I, I kind of knew that it was something I enjoyed. And so I really wanted to pick it up, you know, when I graduated. And so when, when COVID hit, um, really started golfing a lot. And since then, it's been, you know, my kind of my primary sport. Um, so now I would say I, I probably don't go a week where I don't get at least at least around in a range session in um, bare minimum, but you know, try and play twice a weekend if I can. When you look at your experience in golf compared to the other sports that you played, how different is golf in your opinion when it comes to the training aspect, the charting a path to get better element? Is it is golf a lot different than other sports in that regard? Do you think there's there's more common ground? How would you kind of assess that? You know, golf is interesting in that it's there's a lot of parallels to baseball. Mm. Uh, and baseball is a team sport, but you play it individually and you perform as an individual. Uh, and so naturally, you know, you fail as an individual, which is, you know, the same with golf. Uh, and so I found that one of the things that I enjoy about it, and when I was younger, I would get frustrated, uh, is that it's a sport that you, know, you can kind of be on this journey for. 30 40 50 years and probably never get to where you want to to the guys we all watch on tv uh but that's something that as i've gotten older i've come to just appreciate and and it's made it you know a lot of fun are you a perfectionist by by nature or are you kind of uh are you more easygoing on the course how would you describe yourself i'm i'm uh i'm not a perfectionist but i have become somewhat of a golf purist so i (laughs) i you know I will no longer take 
any type of mulligan. I don't take any gimmies on putts, so I'll knock it down from two feet away. Um, I want to know exactly what my, you know, my score would be if I was playing on the tour. So that's how I describe my golf game. Hitting all 18 cups. I, I love it. That's the, it's the true way to play, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Getting into the concept of, of graph, when did that start for you? And I, I have to ask, what was your first reaction when you heard the idea? What was kind of the, the first thing you thought? Yeah, so it was it was interesting, uh, and you know, Aaron kind of called me on it, kind of, you know, gave me the pitch that we would later give to hundreds of investors by now, uh, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, we're spending some time on it. I was in studied computer science, did software development, had a background in some product work, and so I thought it was a cool project to work on, and you know, after thinking about it and getting into the weeds for a few days um, obviously became a much, much larger part of my life than that. Uh, I, I think it's something where you know, growing up playing sports and using a whole bunch of different tools and under coming to an understanding in golf that uh, th- there are some incredible tools out there. TrackMan obviously being the gold standard, uh, but that aren't really available to the, to the whole market. Uh, and it became a big driver. And so, you know, early on thought it was a cool idea and, maybe three weeks after that first conversation with Aaron, I was you know, head over heels all in. So what was kind of the timetable for when you kind of first heard about the idea to when you knew that you really wanted to be all in? What, what, uh, what stage of your life were you in at that point? So I was in my junior year of college. Uh, you know, it was, it was December or January when Aaron, you know, called me for the first time on it. Uh, and had, had a, you know, at that point in your life, obviously thinking about what you want to do for a career, that's a big mm-hmm. internship year. So you know, I was, was working on some plans there, had some things that, you know, I was studying on the side, trying to kind of better myself as software engineer. Um, so I was, was doing some work around machine learning at the time. Um, I guess, you know, I had, had my playful in the way that a lot of juniors in college do. Um, and so it was something that, you know, didn't immediately, I guess my first instinct wasn't to, you know, drop everything and, and get working on this. Uh, mm-hmm. but as I thought about it more, and there's, there's a clear need for it in the market. Uh, and I just thought it was, it was, uh, you know, a compelling concept that, you know, let's just get moving on it and let's just see what happens. And maybe in the first month, first two months, first six months, we find out that it can't be done because there were a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, and that never really happened. You know, we ran into, I and mean, then we've run into a hundred walls, speed bumps along the way, uh, but have yet to have that point where, you know, everything breaks down and fails. Uh, and so we've just been working through one challenge at a time since then. Has that taken you by surprise at all? The amount of, uh, the, the many layers of uh, challenges that come, that, that come with trying to create a product like this, right? I mean, it's, uh, it, Sounds maybe simple in theory, but there are so many more layers and, and details that have to be filled in before you could actually go to launch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I, I mean, you know, early on, we we knew that there were a few core challenges, and the first one being you know, put a chip in the golf ball, and do you ruin the feel of of a swing and of contact, and then can you protect that chip on the flip side? You know, and then into can you measure all the metrics that you need to, you know, we probably went 
the first year of graph golf without a real answer or visibility into how we could measure spin rate and exit velocity. You know, it's not easy to do. Uh, and then to get past that, you know, you're just starting to answer questions around how can you manufacture this product scale? Uh, and within each of those kind of phases, there's a whole bunch of small little challenges that have come up. Uh, and I think at this point, you know, one of the things there's a joke early on, Aaron said, you know, well, maybe at least we'll, we'll still get the ball out by mid 2020, you know, and it's kind <laughs> of our, our, our joke now and that just understanding and something that we had no idea about when we set out is that, you know, you solve one challenge, you probably discover three more smaller ones behind it. And you just got to keep working through every single one of those uh, until you get to, you know, the place where you're ready to launch and, and have a product that, that you're satisfied with. Um, so it's, it, it has been shocking, but also, you know, rewarding to get to uh, at least where we are today and to have real light at the end of the tunnel here. So your, your role in the company, what did that look like at the beginning and uh, how has it evolved over time? Has, has it evolved over time? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, early on my role uh, was purely going to be on the product side and around software development and design of the platform. Um, not from a visual standpoint, more from you know, in architecture and building up the technical aspects. Um, so, you know, early on, you know, Aaron had this plan that we wanted to you know, do a crowdfunding campaign. Um, I had some background with the student run VC, uh, a level capital out of Johns Hopkins. Uh, and you know, thought it was a, a, a better path potentially to, to raise some seed funding. Uh, and so, you know, that's how we set out. And so early on, it was really working with Aaron around getting funding and then also getting started on, on building out the early code base, you know, the mobile app, the web app, everything we were going to need to support that on the back end. Um, so spent a lot of time, you know, probably the first year or so, year plus just writing code, you know, on my own uh, and helping Aaron with the early fundraise and kind of thinking about how you turn this idea for a product into uh, a business model, uh, you know, that has value to, you know, our investors um, and, and, you know, building the company as a whole. So with launching the Indiegogo campaign, what were the circumstances around that and the thinking for doing that when it happened? Yeah, so we spent a comfortable amount of time, and I'm not sure uh, you know, off the top of my head what it was, but it was, it was certainly uh, over a year, you know, basically trying to prove out the feasibility of this ball and chip without sacrificing you know, the feel at contact or the sound of contact. Um, and, and ensuring that we would be able to accurately measure all of the shot metrics that we need to build this platform. Um, so, you know, Aaron, Aaron first came to me and, and, and the first thing that we did was really focus on that contact and being able to protect the chip. And then from there started working on, you know, a number of the metrics that we knew we needed to be able to, to measure you know, spin rate and exit velocity being really two kind of critical challenges. And, you know, it was, it was at least a year of time. I, felt much longer, but maybe a year and a half of kind of working on this with no light at the end of the tunnel, you know, questions that we knew we needed answers for that we had none. Um, and you know, probably, you know, around that time, you know, had a few breakthroughs. We're, we're lucky to you know, get connected to some folks that I mean, 
around a number of these topics are far smarter than we are to help us think it through. Um, and, you know, that was where we decided to kind of launch the, the Indiegogo campaign uh, in order to get, you know, the volume and show the demand that we needed to have conversations with manufacturers. Um, and since then, it's, you know, revealed to us kind of the whole second wave of challenges. Uh, you know, I, I won't go too far into those. We brought Parker Feldman on board to help address those. And he's been stellar and a great addition to our team. Uh, but that's what we're working on today. I mean, the, the fundraising has been so successful. What what part of that has uh, maybe surprised you or what, what part of that have uh, you kind of learned along the way about the fundraising element? Yeah, you know, I think the, 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 the fundraising, uh, it's been great. It's been great to get to bring in the capital that we have so far. Uh, but I think it's, it's, you know, being on the other side of the curtain, it's, it's always more challenging than it looks. Um, you know, we've had mm. to raise the initial, initial seed funding from friends and family, and then to kind of do the second seed round that we have here to get to launch. I mean, that's hundreds of conversations. Uh, and I give Aaron a ton of credit in that I was on for some of those, but he really carried, carried the water there for us. Uh, and a lot of conversations where folks are telling you, you know, why this won't work or why even if it does work, it isn't a good idea. Everyone has a view on it. And, you know, with any business, for the most part, they're all going to be negative. Um, and we saw the same thing then with the Indiegogo campaign. You know, a lot of feedback, a lot of comments around, does the ball float? Can it swim back to me? Uh, will it fly as well as my Pro V1, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so it's, you know, at the end of the day, we've been able to get the capital in that we think we need to have a successful launch, uh, but has not been a cakewalk. Was there some feedback during the campaign that was more valuable than others? A couple of comments maybe that kind of uh, aided in knowing what which direction to choose? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we one of the things we've we've learned right off the bat is that it's a, a vocal group that we're dealing with here, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, we have an immense appreciation for because those that gave on the Indiegogo campaign, those that you know saw an ad on Facebook or or Instagram, uh, you know, were not shy about telling us what they thought of the idea, the content that we were putting out there, what they would hope to see in the platform, and so that's mm -hmm. helped direct a whole bunch of the work that we've done since. You know, for example, folks were were very clear that they were concerned that hitting this ball, even if it even if it flies great, is different from their Pro V1 you know, they're tailor-made, whatever it is that they might use, and that they weren't understanding why under, why knowing how far this ball went versus the ball that they like to play every competitive round with was helpful. Um, and so that's, you know, really spurred an idea for us around being able to convert the data, the shot metrics from the graph golf ball into standard performance golf balls on the market. So that's a huge effort that's going on right now. And that, you know, I, I know you've seen internally uh, and it's something that we would have had no idea about or weren't even considering if it weren't for that feedback. You know, I think there's a, a few cases that are like that that are really going to shape the platform here. And, and when you look at the software development you know, within the, the platform, when someone experiences the app, what are some of the key takeaways that you want them to come away with, things that you're really focusing on with, with you and your team? Yeah, you know, I, think, I think for us, kind of the key focus, and you know, we're looking forward to getting a bunch of feedback early on as well that'll take us in new directions. But I think the number one thing for me that, that I would hope for and that I appreciate about cases when I get to use a track band or another kind of top tier launch monitor 
is just it being simple in order to use and, and understand your shot data. You know, it's just valuable to hit a ball into a net and know how far it went, how high it went, how much I pushed it right or, or hooked it left. Um, and just want to make that easy for folks. When you look at uh, graph as kind of a, a practice tool, is that what you see it as uh, right now, kind of in the early stages, more as a, uh, a practice tool that you can hit into a net and kind of use as an at-home tool more than on a, on course? Yeah, no, I, I think that's certainly fair. Um, and I think the long-term vision is to have it be a tool that folks can and will use on the course because the ball feels and flies you know, just as good as the next performance golf ball on the market. Um, you know, I think for, for version one, you know, if that ends up being the case, I would be pleasantly surprised, but I think we'll probably have, you know, some slight performance deficiencies, you know, particularly compared to top of the line performance balls. And so and today I'm really thinking about, you know, how I would like to use it at home. And I think, you know, a lot of folks since COVID have probably set up a net, a mat, something that they can hit into, into their garage or backyard uh, just to pass the time. And so I see it really being a tool for, for those types of swings and the shots that you're taking at home. Uh, and so, you know, I think, I think long-term, hopefully folks will, will use it on the course. Uh, but today, really thinking about how can we get to launch with a product where you can take those swings, those practice swings at home, uh, and without having to buy a Pro-V, or excuse me, without having to buy a TrackMan, actually understand your shot data. Because I think if you drop below that, Ten thousand, five thousand dollar price point. You know the tools that you have access to are uh, significantly weaker. A lot of people living in big cities and uh, in the Northeast and uh, places where it snows. I'm sure that that could be extremely valuable to uh, to have that asset. I know uh, I'd be pretty excited about that. So that makes a lot of sense. What What are some of the uh, challenges that have come up from uh, you know trying to trying to build uh, an app that is uh, seamless and that that allows uh, users to really kind of uh, get that data easily. Are, are there, are, have there been kind of big hurdles to clear uh, anywhere along the way? Yeah, no, absolutely. And there have been, you know, no shortage of, of hurdles or redesigns or, you know, you build something and look at it, and just go, that's awful or that's not right. And so we redo it. Um, you know, we've done that with, with the whole app, uh, you know, from where it was at inception to where it is today. I, I think one of the biggest challenges that we've had is that the platform itself is taking in a ton of data, all of the metrics we're gathering for each shot, uh, and balancing between both wanting to show a user all of their shot data and enabling them to look through every swing from a round or a practice session, but also synthesizing that data and breaking it down into you know, a few key takeaways from each round. So really, really the goal is that a user will be able to, you know, either on the mobile or web app after a session, look at the metrics from each specific shot, but also to you know quickly go to the improved section and see some of the key takeaways that we've given them and highlighting, you know, what are the one or two areas where you should focus to you know, most improve your game. And so balancing between both summarizing the data, but also storing all of it and displaying it in a way that's easy to digest uh, has been a huge challenge for us. When someone uses this platform in the future, what are, what are kind of some of the experiences that you hope that they have? I guess asked another way, how, how would you kind of describe Graph maybe to someone who has not heard it? What what kind of experience are they, are they going to get? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think the first thing that you, you get with Graph is, you know, a, a simple and easy way to 
view and then understand your shot data. Uh, and so with each swing, you, know, you can immediately see all of the relevant metrics and understand what truly happened. You know, whether you hit the ball on the course and it's hard to tell the exact yardage you traveled or if you hit it into a net at home and you have no idea, uh, you know, to, to truly be able to tell you what happened on that swing. Uh, void of of environmental factors like wind or changes of elevation that you know, oftentimes on the course can mask the true distance or you know, quality of contact that you had on the ball. And then you know the, the second piece to it is you know an analytics platform that can look at all of that raw data uh, and help break it down in a way that's simple to understand and say, look, this is what you need to do to become a better golfer. And at the end of the day, that's the entire goal is to provide a platform that helps folks get better at this game that drives us all crazy. <laughs> that That's for sure. When you think about graph, uh, what excites you the most kind of looking forward as to what, what it can possibly be uh, moving forward, maybe something that even, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road, it could be, is there an, an element of it that, that kind of really gets you excited about the, the future of where it could go? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've had the chance to play a couple rounds on it track man simulator which again is is a great tool and mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of fun but i think it's something that for the vast majority of us either between cost or space you know at home it's not realistic to say you're going to have that type of tool so you know the 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 kind of vision that we've been talking about that you know to your point five or ten years down the line would be incredible is you know folks using this ball at home uh, playing against each other from across the country or it's from across the town uh, and able to play a full simulated round at a cost that's limited compared to a track man or similar tools uh, and with the need for less space, you know, just enabling people to access golf wherever they go. And I'm guessing even, you know, coaches connecting with students could be another, uh, another element of this down the road that could be pretty exciting. A, a student, hitting 57 irons and then set, sending that to their coach and having it analyzed and, and maybe even having video along with that. I mean, there, there are so many possibilities uh, when you, when you look at everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a great one. We had you know, a number of conversations early on with, with pros about you know, their experience and lessons. And if they had a tool like this, how would they use it? Uh, mm-hmm. And so the, you know, the possibility of building out a coaching portal is something that we're, we're very excited about. Um, you know, on the, on the other side of launch and something that's been interesting is getting feedback from coaches and that they just want to know that, that the student did practice, did work on the drills that they gave them and, and, you know, work to actually uh, address some of the key swing issues that they identified in their last lesson. I think a lot of times that, that doesn't happen. You know, what we heard from coaches is folks will go get a lesson and get feedback and show up the next week and, and hope it's fixed. Um, and so, you know, a way to really enforce accountability and, have your coach tell you, "Hey, I want you to you know, do this drill, and I want it. You know, I, I want to know that you did it 250 times between now and next week, uh, and actually be able to enforce some of that accountability." I think it, you know, something I struggle with myself, and I think it'll help a lot of us. Thank you to Mike for joining the podcast. If anyone wants more information on Graph, you can visit our website at graph.golf. We will be publishing more episodes in our Behind the Ball series coming up. 
Our next one will be with Parker Feldman getting into the details of the supply chain, logistics, and producing a smart golf ball. Parker is one of the more intelligent people you'll ever meet. Mike referenced him on the podcast that we just had here. And if you're interested in the nitty gritty details of producing a ball, that one will definitely be for you. So be on the lookout for that. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm, and we will see you again soon.